This is an ABC podcast. I was able to modulate my attention productively. Really easy to just get yourself in gear as opposed to waking up in the morning, you know, having a panic attack about the day ahead or overstressing about a deadline, for example. You wake up and you're like, well, I'm here and I'm ready to get into it sort of thing. Microdosing is the practice of taking small amounts of psychedelic substances and doing it regularly. People vary in how often they do it, but roughly people tend to microdose a couple of times a week. When we say small doses, the sorts of doses that people are taking are so low that there's very, very little noticeable changes. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and on This Working Life, microdosing. In Australia and around the globe, people are experimenting with tiny doses of illegal drugs to help them perform better at work. But why take this risk? And does it even work? Taking very small doses of magic mushrooms, or LSD, every few days in a bid to boost productivity, creativity, focus and mental health has become, perhaps surprisingly, popular in Australia. But we don't have enough scientific research on how effective microdosing actually is. And studies in Australia are still in the early days. Dropping into sort of a deep flow state happened a lot more easily with the LSD rather than sort of having to sort of stick at six hours and getting distracted and blah, blah, blah. I could drop in for two hours of really deep work and accomplish more than I could otherwise. Our producer, Sarah Allerley, spoke to a lot of people about their experiences of microdosing. Her inbox was chockers after doing a call-out for people keen to share their perspectives. You don't feel like you've taken something in the morning. It's not like you pop something and, like, suddenly, like, you know, if ADHD people, they take their um, dexamphetamines or whatever they have to take and they'll feel that relief and then it would come with a bunch of other side effects as well. This You just don't feel like that. It's like you've just popped a vitamin and then you're happy. Vince Polito is at the forefront of research into microdosing in Australia. It's certainly sub-hallucinogenic. It's a completely different ballpark to the type of experience that you might typically associate with psychedelics. It's people taking doses that, that are almost imperceptible. Vince is a cognitive psychologist and senior research fellow at Macquarie University. And he says microdosing has become pretty popular in the last few years in Australia. People seem to microdose with all sorts of different substances, but by far the most common ones are LSD and psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. Why are people interested in psychedelics, particularly now, Vince? There was basically no psychedelic research or or very, very little psychedelic research from about the 1970s until the early 2000s, roughly. And that's because although these substances, when they were first discovered, were very interesting to scientists and psychologists and psychiatrists, and there were, there were very many studies at the start, psychedelics became prohibited drugs, and that sort of stopped all of these studies. In the last couple of decades, though, people have started to re-explore the potential of these substances as treatments mainly for psychiatric conditions, so looking at them as treatments for depression, anxiety, PTSD, those sorts of things. And although the research is in its early days, it's looking really promising. And the way that most of that research has taken place is looking at 
psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. And so because that sort of research has restarted and those findings are sort of filtering into public awareness, there's been a real shift in people's attitudes to psychedelics and it seems like people are paying much more attention now than they did 10 years ago, even five years ago. Vince explains that physically psychedelics are non-addictive and non-toxic, but sometimes with high doses, people can have a disturbing psychological experience. But he says with microdosing, people typically don't experience psychological content that is disturbing or scary. And why are people taking it for work? It's quite different to taking a high dose of psychedelic. It's a a sort of unusual thing to do, really, because on the one hand, people who microdose say that after they take the dose, they don't notice very much at all. But on the other hand, people claim all sorts of benefits when they do this regularly. So people say that it helps with focus and attention and social relationships and mood and quite a range of different psychological variables. And so it seems like a lot of people have just started making this part of their regular routine. And that includes, for some people, taking it before going to work. I'm able to perform all the way until sort of the end of the day where I knock off. I'm in the horticultural industry, so I'm always on my feet, you know, doing physical work. The energy is unreal in terms of mental stamina and being able to push yourself through until the end of the day. And then Tom, who's 38, is a casual high school teacher and also owns a mobile coffee van. When Sarah spoke to him, he was on his very first day of microdosing. I would like to try some microdosing just to see if it does have any effects and if it does help me have more clarity in my thinking and more clarity in who who I am and what motivates me. I would like to have better focus and positivity towards everyday tasks um, related to business and my personal life. I'm hoping that there'll be a greater capacity and patience for problem solving and yeah, better communication with my business partner and my family. Teaching makes me depressed uh, at the moment and the business gives me anxiety. So, yeah, I'm hoping that I can alleviate some of that depression, you know, when I go into the classroom or when I'm about to go into the classroom. I'm hoping not to dread it as much. And then, yeah, on the business side of things, I'm hoping that there'll be less generalised anxiety about every single thing that I undertake in that space. Uh, My name's Trina. I'm 51 and I work in retail in the baking industry. I'm on the floor, so I'm in sales as well. I do the social media content. I'm sort of responsible for taking like new products that have come into the store and then I have to sort of demonstrate them or like create content from them and make it really visually beautiful and sort of put it together. So, I mean, it's really kind of like product photography, a lot of it. I definitely find like on the days that I'm dosing that the concepts for these products will come to me like a lot faster and it's very clear to me the steps that I need to take to get there quite quickly. So it's almost like the, just the whole production process, it just, there's, it's just clearer. Probably coming up to maybe about six months now, I'd say that I've been uh, microdosing psilocybin, which is mushrooms. I'd say it's probably three to four days, every three to four days I dose. My productivity was sort of heightened because I was sort of processing ideas like quite quickly and had this sort of impatience to sort of bring them to fruition and sort of found it easier to find solutions as well of how I might make them happen. Trina hasn't mentioned her microdosing to anyone at work. 
I just have a sense with the, with the people that I work with that they wouldn't really understand what it was and they probably would just think that I'm taking drugs. <laughs> I always would try and choose a day where I'm going to be, where I know I'm going to be able to, you know, have some time to myself to come up with concepts and to be in a creative space where I'm not going to be interrupted too much. I, I can, I think that on the days that I dose and I don't, and I'm not doing that, I can actually sort of get quite scattered, especially if I've got sort of people coming up to me all the time, because there is a level of hypersensitivity, I think, that ha- can happen with psychedelics. It says microdosing is a new way of taking psychedelics, so we don't know for certain what happens if people microdose for many years without breaks. He says psilocybin and LSD can activate a brain receptor, which plays a role in heart structure and function. Finn says this is a theoretical risk. It hasn't been observed in studies yet, and that taking even short breaks would mitigate the risk significantly. So what's happened in the last decade to make microdosing popular? The idea of microdosing sort of came out of nowhere. It's not something that's been around for a very long time at all, really. The first mention of microdosing was in a book that came out in 2011. Uh, It was a book by James Fadiman, who was involved in some of the early research on psychedelics. And this book wasn't entirely about microdosing. It just had one small section where he talked about, gave some reports of people he knew who were taking psychedelics in low doses in this way and had found it to be quite beneficial. A few years later, In about 2015, there was a Rolling Stone article that talked about people microdosing in Silicon Valley, and that article got a tremendous amount of attention. And is there a particular type of industry apart from Silicon Valley and tech that you think this is spread into? There does seem that there is evidence that that people in tech kind of industries are microdosing. There is also evidence that people are microdosing across quite a range of different industries as well. It doesn't seem like it's just a, a tech industry thing. It's it's hard to have really solid data on this because, you know, the nature of microdosing being something illegal, people don't report this, you know, openly and easily. But there have been some pretty large sort of demographic survey studies looking at prevalence of microdosing. And so, for example, um, there was one study that came out in 2019 that did ask the sorts of work practices around microdosing. And that study had about a thousand microdoses in it. 48%, just under half, said that they had microdosed at work. And they were doing quite a range of different things. About 30% of them were studying. Another 30% were doing some kind of office or computer work. But there was also significant proportions that were doing work with people or creative work or physical work as well. And what about in Australia, Vince? In Australia, we don't have that sort of direct evidence. I did a longitudinal study where we tracked microdoses over time. We were collecting data around 2017, 2018, and we didn't ask exactly what sort of work people did, but we did get some demographic information. And we found that in our sample of Australian microdoses, people were maybe a bit older than what you would expect. I think the average age was mid-30s. They were fairly well-educated, about 75% had some form of tertiary education. Roughly 70% were either working or studying. So the sort of broad picture that we got was of people who were microdosing as pretty normal members of society, I suppose. And for people microdosing to optimise their work practices, what are some of the results that they've been getting? This is where it gets interesting because there's 
really clear indications that people report that microdosing helps with things like attention and focus and... and Creativity? Creativity, definitely. But the evidence about whether there really is a pharmacological effect that causes those changes is much less clear. So certainly people believe that it's working, um, but we don't know how much is actually an effect of the drug and how much might be due to people's expectations or beliefs. Troy's 33, and he's studying psychology and addiction at university. He was a boilermaker the first time he tried microdosing and thinks the intentions and goals he set were more important than the substance consumed. As the lockdowns and such were wrapping up in Perth and I sort of wanted to get everything in order, get back to work and get a routine set up, that was that was the main purpose, just get out of that funk of sitting around and get everything organised. second time I used I just uh, got to, I don't know, a stressful point of uni and thought it might give me some clarity to sort of push on but I found the second time without sort of having the structure and the intention to set up that lifestyle I suppose and get everything sorted it didn't really seem to help much. Coming into it the first time I did a lot of reading a lot of I don't know if you call it research but low level research um, and trying to plan out what I was doing uh, what you know what I wanted to get out of it setting some goals and intentions and all that so trying to get that sort of a structure to my week back when I was going back to work so I was doing a lot of welding for sort of uh, street furniture and probably outs and things like that. At the time, I did feel like it helped me get organised and get up on time and, you know, make sure everything was sorted, dinner was cooked, things like that, coming out of that way looser schedule. I think having that set intention to do that, setting that up and potentially believing that I could do it because of the microdosing might have been the reason, more so than just the, the substance itself. Because I'd sort of figured out, right, this is what I want to achieve and this is what I want to do from it and this is going to help me. It was easier to get those things done. From my perspective, I could imagine it work, would work just as well if I was doing meditation or yoga or something, having that set intention and then sort of hanging your faith in microdosing or whatever the practice is to be the catalyst for you to be able to do it. Oh, and quick public service announcement. The use of these kinds of drugs, even in tiny doses, is of course illegal and not recommended except under strict medical supervision. But despite that, this experimentation is happening every day in workplaces around the country. So we want to understand why and what the impacts might be. How do workers think microdosing affects their work lives? Researcher Vince Polito. People feeling like they can focus more easily, that there's less mind wandering, that they're able to pay more attention for longer times. That's the sorts of things that people tend to say. Jack works as a life coach on the Gold Coast and he's been microdosing with psilocybin for about a year and a half. To really just get clear on where it is that I want to be going, what it is that I want to be doing and any sort of limitations that can pop into my mind just kind of fade away. Microdosing for me is amazing and it's also being able to uh, have the intention and I will put this out there that it's very important to focus on integrating what is accessible in that state into your reality because we can access it. This is just giving us um, a more open mind into what it is that we can actually access. It's also something that I, I do support quite a few clients with when they come to me and they tell me that that's something that they are doing so the integration in that, I guess, is potentially asking them questions like, you know, when you are in that state in microdosing, even with small amounts, like what 
kind of things you have to process and work through. And that could be people saying, oh, you know, usually I struggle with my productivity. And then it's like, okay, well, why do we struggle with that productivity? We struggle with that productivity for a number of reasons, but it could just be, oh, I've, I've got way too much going on in my mind. Okay, so the, the problem isn't that you struggle with productivity, you struggle with presence and actually being present in the moment, present with what you're doing. The integration of it and realizing that whatever we access in that state is very much accessible in our reality. And some people after that almost don't even need microdosing anymore because what they used to get out of it, they know that that's within them and that they have the capability to be able to do that. Jack reckons about 80% of his life coaching clients have raised microdosing with him. They come to Jack because they're keen to develop and improve themselves and microdosing is just one of the methods they come across, along with breathwork, meditation, etc. I had the, the amazing corporate job. I had the happy family. One day I just it just kind of hit me and I just thought, oh, geez, something doesn't, yeah, something doesn't feel fulfilled. I'm very happy. I'm significantly more productive. I feel like it's worked. How much of that um, should I credit to microdosing and how much of that is is just me getting out of my own way remains to be seen. And how would people know, given that you're saying that you're taking it at such a level that you really aren't feeling really obvious effects? Yeah, it is this funny, almost paradoxical kind of uh, phenomenon where there's not reports of like dramatic shifts in consciousness of of people starting to see walls melting or (laughs) any of the sorts of unusual emotional or cognitive changes that you might think would happen and that certainly do happen when people take higher doses. So it's not like people are saying that there's this drug effect that they can feel. It's more like they report when they microdose in general, they feel like they have sharper capacities, sharper sensations, that kind of thing. You know, I'm able to show up to my work and enjoy the sort of challenges of my work and enjoy the deep focus of my work and do seven to eight hours of work a day productively and pleasurably. For me, it felt like having a good strong cup of coffee that lasted the whole day without the crash. My name's Sam Trotman. I'm 32 years old and I'm a filmmaker and university lecturer. When I was microdosing a lot, LSD sort of really suited it. I also found that I was able to drop into flow state because creativity is a big part of my work. Um, Dropping into sort of a deep flow state happened a lot more easily with the LSD rather than sort of having to sort of stick at six hours and getting distracted, blah, blah, blah. I could drop in for two hours of really deep work and accomplish more than I could otherwise. What has your research found in terms of any uh, negative symptoms? It does seem like microdosing it doesn't work well for everyone. A lot of people say that it does make them feel more attentive and focused, but there is a minority of people that say it absolutely seems to have the opposite effect and they feel more <laughs> they feel more distracted or scatterbrained and and that it doesn't seem like it's something that would in any way help them with with working life. Some people do say that microdosing makes them feel more emotional or teary and that they don't like those sorts of things. We did find some evidence that in some of our early work that it made people behave a little more neurotically. You have like a 10-hour energy surge where I'm sort of wanting to do things and wanting to be creative, but it can also sort of make me feel a little bit neurotic or a little bit anxious, whereas psilocybin has a sort of softer and more emotional tone. I find on my dosing days that I'm 
you know, I have this desire for things to be very um, ordered and, you know, like that everything needs to have its place and <laughs> which is really odd. It's not really something I'm usually doing. I, I'm just sort of aware of it in the back of my mind. It's 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 almost bordering on a kind of like a little bit of anxiety. I do think it's just that heightened awareness. You know, it's definitely sort of becoming, you know, bringing you into the present moment a little bit more and being aware of the things that are happening around you and how you feel about them and how you respond to them. Vince, how did you get interested in this field of research? I've done research on hypnosis and meditation and virtual reality and states of flow. And so I've always been interested in how cognition changes in different altered states or in different contexts. When microdosing started to become really popular, I was immediately intrigued because it seemed like this was another potential alteration in consciousness that might have some interesting sort of psychological or, or cognitive changes. But it also seemed like this was a really interesting situation where people's beliefs might be shaping their experience. It seemed like on the one hand, there were these plausible mechanisms by which these low doses could really be helping people. But it also seemed like there were a lot of reasons to think that there could be like placebo effects or expectation effects going on here. Um, particularly when you think about what needs to happen for someone to microdose. They have to find an illegal substance, which isn't easy for many people. Once they've got the substance, they then need to go to further effort of dividing it down into some very small dose, which can sometimes take quite a bit of effort. So by the time someone actually starts microdosing, they've invested a lot of effort into being ready to do that. And so they're very primed to notice positive benefits that sort of justify all that effort. And so for me, it was just this marvellous puzzle of trying to work out what's going on. Is there a pharmacological effect or is it really just based on placebo and, and beliefs? And the first sort of longitudinal study that I did, it really made me think that there was something going on here. People really, in that early study, we found a range of changes in mood and depression and uh, mind wandering and people's attention capacities. And it really looked like something was happening with microdosing. Since then, there's been probably about 30 or 40 different studies around the world of microdosing and the findings are mixed. It's kind of tricky to do microdosing studies because this is an illegal substance, meaning that it's there's a lot of procedures that you need to follow and to be able to administer these substances to people. It's quite difficult. It's quite resource intensive. But particularly for microdosing, the effects seem to be something that occurs only after people have taken quite a few doses. So to do a really rigorous study where people take many doses and then you monitor the effects takes quite a lot of expense and resources and effort. So there really haven't been any studies, controlled studies of the long-term effects of microdosing. Can you tell me about the study you published in 2019, tracking the experience of 98 users over six weeks? That was a really interesting study to do. It was one of the first um, sort of longitudinal studies where we tracked people over time. We didn't give people microdoses in that study. We found people who were already microdosing and we um, checked in with them every day and to sort of see how they were doing on a range of different psychological variables. And then at the beginning and at the end of the six weeks, they also did quite a long battery of different psychometric and, and behavioral tests. We found that people... Um, 
at the end of six weeks had lower levels of depression, that they had uh, lower levels of anxiety, that they had reduced mind wandering, and they increased in something called absorption, which is like a um, a person's capacity for intense imaginative experiences. I w- was a little surprised that we'd found um, such strong indications of changes across all of those different variables. Vitz, tell me about the study that you're currently doing. Currently, we're, we're doing a neuroimaging study of microdosing. So we're trying to see if we can find any objective neural markers that microdosing is having an effect in the brain. And we're using uh, magnetoencephalography, MEG, which is a um, really precise form of neuroimaging. And we're using something called a self-blinding study, which is a, a relatively new idea. It was developed by a team of microdosing researchers at Imperial College London. And the way self-blinding works is that Again, we don't provide substances to people in this study. It is also an observational study, but it has a high level of methodological rigor because we send people materials so that they can prepare a psilocybin microdose in a capsule and then also a second capsule that is a placebo that has an inert substance, flour or muesli or or some edible other substance. The capsules look identical. The participants put those two capsules in plain black envelopes and they mix up those envelopes. They then come into our lab on two different occasions and they, they bring an envelope, one of the envelopes each day. They take one of the capsules before they come. Inside that envelope is a code so that we can later decode whether they've taken the placebo or the real dose. But when they come into the lab for the testing, they don't know what they've taken. The experimenters don't know what they've taken. So it is a double-blind study. It's just done in a sort of creative way. Um, And when people come in, we put them in the MEG scanner. They do a number of brain imaging tasks and also some behavioral tasks. And yeah, like I said, we're we're looking for these sort of objective indications that something's going on uh, when people have taken a microdose compared to when people have taken a placebo. Can you give me an example of one of the tasks? Uh, Usually tasks that get people to concentrate on a stimulus. And we're essentially just looking at what happens in the brain in response to these different kinds of stimuli and if people habituate to stimuli in different ways. Do you think that the perception of psychedelic drugs has generally changed in the last few years? Yeah, I think it's changed a lot. And I think part of that is the emergence of research findings from high doses. But I also think the popularity of microdosing has also helped to change attitudes around psychedelics as well, because I think for a long time, psychedelics have been associated with really intense psychological changes. And the idea of a psychedelic experience for many people, I think, can be very frightening. It sometimes, you know, genuinely can be a really like distressing and difficult experience. But the concept of microdosing, I think, just puts a new lens on how psychedelics could be used. And uh, if you had to think about the world of work and using microdosing in a beneficial way for all, uh, what future do you aspire to, Vince? Well, I don't think it's simple, and I I certainly wouldn't say that I aspire to everyone microdosing at at work at all. I mean, I think there's there's really some nuance here. It's still not completely clear what exactly microdosing is doing. We know there are these neural changes, but we don't know how those neural changes follow through to changes in cognition or 
interpersonal psychology that might actually have a change at work. The way that we should think about microdosing or, or consider it is really the same with any other kind of nootropic or performance enhancing substance. Maybe it is something that at least some people could get benefit from. But I think there's interesting ethical questions about whether that is something that we should encourage and that there's certainly some backlash within the psychedelic community around the idea of microdosing being turning psychedelics into something that is like a performance enhancing uh, tool of capitalism, basically. And I, I think there's some some really important elements to that critique. And so although I am really interested in understanding what's going on here, I'm certainly not in the camp of like, everyone should be microdosing all the time. Let's go do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vince. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. And again, we acknowledge these are illegal substances and use of these drugs is not recommended except under close medical supervision. We made this episode on the lands of the Gadigal and Wiradjuri people. This Working Life is produced by Sarah Allerley. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, love your work. Hey, I'm Sana Kadar, and I host a podcast called All in the Mind. If you've ever wondered how our brains work or why people behave the way they do, you'll love All in the Mind, I promise. It's a psychology podcast that explores everything from mental health to artificial intelligence. Topics like how the brains of introverts and extroverts differ, how fame can warp a person's psychology, and why some of the most unethical experiments in the field of psychology were ever allowed to be conducted. Find All in the Mind on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.